With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Cam Stutt's selection to represent Auburn at SEC Media Days mean he's in line to start this fall? And will four-star cornerback Jalen Crawford be the next addition to the Tigers' 2024 class? Let's talk about it on this Friday edition of the Uptempo Podcast. You are now listening to the War Report Podcast Network. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Uptempo Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Smith. Bear with me tonight, boys and girls. I'm riding solo dolo because our guy, Blake Lane, is becoming a daddy. Little Levi is on the way. Blake is in the hospital. I'm recording this at Thursday night. He's in the hospital as we speak as this goes live Friday morning. Hopefully, his lovely wife has had her baby by now and is out of labor and everything is good. We want to say congratulations to my boy, Blake. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Wishing all the best to you and the family in this wonderful time. Can't wait to have you back. So bear with me tonight, guys. I want to do what I can. Not really used to running this thing solo, but uh, just shout out, man. Appreciate you guys for being with me. And so we saw the selection of SEC Media Days, right? Elijah McAllister, Luke Deal, and Cam Stutz. And some interesting conversations have kind of come up from all this, right? I'm hearing some people say, yeah, Cam Stutz, man. Cam Stutz might be in line to start. And if you're one of the people that was in the space with me and Blake the other night, you're going to kind of think that's funny because um, I kind of hopped in there and said, I don't see a world where Cam Stutz can start. And literally the next day, <laughs> this comes out. So we're here to talk about it, man. Uh, before we get started, guys, hit that like, hit that subscribe. We just cleared 500 subscribers, so we're now able to monetize. Uh, we sent that off to YouTube. Should be couple weeks and they'll be able to get back to us on that opens up a lot of possibilities for us man so we want to say thank y'all it means the world to us the growth has been tremendous over the past couple of weeks thank you to ike mike c-dub be will everybody over at war report for helping us out man it's just been a, a great blessing and to see this growth has just been awesome for me and blake it means the world to us so thank y'all so much man continue to share the word we're here man we're grinding we're ready to get it so getting into this though about cam stutz um, if you listen to our episode 
two or three episodes back uh, predicting breakout players. You know that I predicted Jeremiah Wright on the offensive line. I predicted Jeremiah Wright to start at guard. And I'm going to stand by that despite these recent developments. And and I'm going to get into media days a little bit first. We haven't really talked about media days a whole lot on this podcast. And that's a reason for it, to be honest with you. I kind of speak for Blake on this one. Uh, I know his feelings on this. And speaking for myself, we just don't really care. And that's not the poo-poo on media days because uh, there's parts of it that I personally like. Um, I like seeing all the coaches, you know, get up there, kind of present their case. This is where it's almost like a state of the union address, right? Like when a president gets up there and says, okay, well, you know, this is this is where the country's at and blah, 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 without getting asked questions, obviously. But you get my point. And it's kind of that way for SEC coaches. They get to go up there. They get to kind of give you the state of their program. Um, spew whatever propaganda BS, you know, and uh, and then answer questions from the media. So I feel like for the coaches, it's something that's entertaining. Uh, I feel like you do get some good stuff out of there. The reason I don't really care about the players is because I'm just not a fan, man, of like vanilla answers in the coach speak type stuff, right? And I, I know that that's what you're going to get nine times out of 10. I can't really remember anything, any spicy quotes that came from a player at SEC Media Days. And if there was one, it was probably him answering a question honestly for a change. And then that gets spun, right? Because that's the way it goes. Everybody says they want honesty. They want honesty. They want honesty. And then you get an honest answer finally. And the media takes it and runs with it. And, oh, it's so crazy. Um, So to me, man, I just don't really care because – I know what these players are going to say. Like when you hear the answer, you can probably pause it and then guess the way that he's going to answer it. And when I see the three guys that, oh, no, I'm not my table over here. When I see the three guys that Auburn brought and Elijah McAllister and Luke Deal and then Cam Stutz, especially in the first two, our guy Mike G's, he was saying for weeks, it's got to be Luke Deal. It's got to be Luke Deal. And y'all know that Mike G is close to a lot of players on the team. So, He's around Luke Deal. He, you know, he knows that like Luke Deal's got his stuff together. Um, same thing with Elijah McAllister, a new guy, you know, just transferred over from Vanderbilt. Uh, I've, I've been kind of, I've said on this podcast a couple of times now, I'm not expecting a huge year from him as far as production goes, just like how you wouldn't expect a huge year from Luke Deal as far as pass catching. Now he did, I think it was 321 snaps he played last year and only allowed three pressures on the quarterback. So he is a good blocking tight end. You know what Luke's going to kind of get in there and do. Um, he had three catches for 30-something yards somewhere in there. Um, so not really a, a threat to catch the ball out of that tight end position, but he does play a lot of snaps. He will be very crucial to blocking, especially in short yardage situations, those jumbo package goal line deals, right? Um, but a good kid. Same thing with Elijah McAllister. Same thing with Cam Stutz. And I think that that's something that's important to remember right now is that with the reaction to Hugh Freeze's hiring, right or wrong, as far as the reaction goes, um, they've just got to be careful, right? Like, there's going to be somebody out there that asked the rogue Hugh Freeze question. And he'll probably step up and address it right out the gate, knowing Hugh will probably come up and say, hey, you know, address it in whatever manner he wants to address it, and then try to keep it about football. But we saw last year with our boy Joseph Goodman from AL.com. Harson comes out and says, hey, I know this is the topic that y'all want to ask me about. It's 
speaks on it and says, I'm not going to get into this. And then the very first thing that Joseph Goodman asked him about is what he just said he wasn't going to speak on. So, you know, there's going to be some of that regardless. And I just think that looking at these three guys, what the, the game plan here was, hey, let's get three guys in here that are going to answer the questions the right way. That aren't going to give the national media or anybody else any kind of sound bites that they can run with. And I think that's just a smart approach because, like I said, there's going to be questions about Hugh Freeze. They'll, they, they'll probably get fancy with the way they word it. You know, hey, when Hugh Freeze got hired, what was your reaction in the locker room? You kind of know about his path. They'll, they'll try to slide it in there. Um, and you've got you brought three guys that are just going to answer the question the right way. I don't think out of Luke Deal, Elijah McAllister, and Cam Stutz, you're going to get anything. I just don't think you're going to get that much. I don't think you're going to learn a whole lot from those three guys come SEC Media Days. I think that, that they're being brought there to say and do everything by the book, say and do all the right things. Because right now, like Auburn doesn't need any kind of other story. And you are everyone that's an Auburn fan. Y'all know how the national media gets down. And then I, the Southern media, it really doesn't matter, right? Anybody outside of Auburn and hell, even some people within our own fan base and on our own beat have nefarious intentions. And um, speaking of Joseph Goodman from AL.com, right? And so I just think that it's just a smart thing to do overall. Let's just keep it nice, clean, and let's get out of SEC media days with no, you know, with no drama. Maybe Hughes has a couple things that we'll go back on and say, oh, that's interesting. He'll probably get asked about some players that maybe are no longer on the team or something like that. You know, that we might learn about a couple of maybe we'll learn about some injuries or maybe we'll learn about some suspensions or, you know, we never know. I mean, he probably will be asked about the Jarquez situation. There'll be some stuff that we get out of that for sure. Um, so I would expect some answers from Hugh Freeze that we'll be able to get some content out of that we'll be able to look at, maybe learn a thing or two. But three, three guys that they're bringing, man. I see the game plan, and I understand it, and I'm with it. I completely get what they're doing. I think it's a smart move here. Kind of contrary to last year, right? So last year, uh, when they brought Tank, it was a very, very, very interesting uh, decision. And I don't like hear me out here, okay? I'm not knocking Tank Bigsby at all. I love Tank. Just hear me out. Tank was not the best at that time, like the best spoken, like the best public speaker, right? Um, wasn't bad, but just like. Could, could be polished up. And I thought that that was, without any inside, just outside looking in, I thought that was kind of the game plan last year. Like, one, you are going to, like, Tank was clearly the face of the program last year. If you remember, there was Izzy transferring to Georgia, blah, 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 right? We had that whole deal. Did we, did we have to – basically had to re-recruit him. And I'm sure a part of that pitch was you're the face of the Auburn football program going forward. So that includes a ticket to SEC Media Days. And like I said, him not being the most polished speaker, I think what that they were probably looking at was this is a guy that's going to go to the NFL. He's going to have to give these interviews. And this is a good practice for him. And I don't think Tank did a, a, a bad job at SEC Media Day. I think it was a good learning experience for him. And if you watched it, I think that he got better answering the questions the more interviews that he did. So I did like that, and I like that strategy. I think that they were trying to get him ready, try to get him a little more practice dealing with the media, and I thought that was a, a very cool thing. Uh, but I just don't think they're going to do that this year because, uh, like I said, the situation that it is with Hugh Freeze and all that. They're, they're going to get guys that can say the right things, do the right things, and just get out of there clean, baby. Let's get out of Nashville clean.
And uh, but follow our guys, man. Ike and Mike are gonna be there. They're gonna be there all week, getting y'all everything they can. So follow those guys over at War Report, man. They know y'all got y'all covered with that all, as far as all that interviews and content from media days go. Speaking on the Cam Stutz part of this, right? Speaking on the ball, baby, the ball, man. It was interesting to hear, and I'll just be honest with you guys. I kind of wrote Cam Stutz off. If and it's 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 by the it's probably just by default. Like if you were on that offensive line last year and your name's not Jeremiah Wright, I'm not that fired up about you. I'm sorry. Now. I will be fair and I will acknowledge that nobody was put in position last year to succeed. Everybody was kind of put behind the behind the eight ball. They just weren't put in the right position. And that affected every player as much as it affects the quarterback and it affects your guard, your left or right guard as well, right? But I just feel like with a guy like Jeremiah Wright, I said it the other day, right? He's, my, he's a, one of my two breakout players on offense. I picked him and Var. And the reason I picked Jeremiah is, is because the, the potential, the untapped potential. Defensive line, offensive line, we all know the back and forth that he's had to play since he's been at Auburn. And then we see him last year come in, finally get his chance to start, and everybody says, man, why hasn't this guy been starting? I'm, I'm saying stuff that, we, that everybody knows. We know his attitude. We know the way that Jeremiah gets down. And a guy like Cole Kublick, who knows a little thing about offensive line or two, he swears by him. There's a lot of guys that really know offensive line way better than me that I listen to and respect that swear by Jeremiah. So when I put on – when I watch the games, when I put on the tape, it's just – it's undeniable to me. Like, this guy is better, you know? So then that leaves the question, who is your other guard? Because I just don't – I just do not see a world – where Jeremiah Wright does not start at guard for Auburn in 2023. I think that a lot of it has to do with, obviously, the injury. He did not play in A-Day, and this staff just hasn't seen him. I feel like once the fall comes around, these guys strap up, put the pads on. If Jeremiah is healthy, which you have him switching positions however many times he's done it, and then he's also had injury issues. Jeremiah just has not been able to sit back Focus on a position, stay healthy, and get right. If all that stuff comes together, man, I do not see a world where he does not start at one of those guard spots. So looking at Cam Stutz last year, looking at Cam last year. Let's see. I got his numbers right right here. Well, I'm going to start with I'll – I'll get to German. All right, so, yeah, here we are. Apologize, guys. I'm, I'm solo tonight. Cam Stutz. He started two games at left guard and six games at right guard last year. His PFF grade, whether you value that or not, that's what we kind of, you know, you got to look at something to talk about offensive line as far as statistically. His PSF, PFF grade was 60.8. Not that great, right? But if you look at all of our PFF grades on offensive line, they weren't that great. But like I said, started eight games. There were some bright spots there. This is not a knock on Cam Stutz, okay? And I'll, I'll get to – I'll get to that part in a second. Um, but that's so 60.8 and two starts at left guard and six starts at right guard. Now, Jeremiah Wright, his PFF grade, slightly better, not the best, at 61.3. Okay. So I'm going to say 
that, like I said, one of those guard spots, I'm giving it to Jeremiah. So then the question becomes the other one. So Tate Johnson, right? That's the name that it would come to mind. Hugh has been, Hugh has spoke highly of Tate and Tate started the season last year at center after the injury to Nick Brahms and the preseason injury to Nick Brahms. So Tate starts the season at center and he gets hurt week four versus Mizzou. Up until that point, in 191 stats, Tate's PFF was 55.3. It's not that good. And to be honest with you, I didn't think the film was that good. Like, I think that these PFF grades, for the most part, match what was on the field. So I'm looking at guys here that have played off. And this isn't every, like, PFF, I'm not, PFF is not my sole you know, deciding factor here. It's not the only metric I'm looking at. I'm looking at what we watched when we turned the when we turned the tape on last year. And to me, as far as these three guys go, Cam Stutz, Tate Johnson, and Jeremiah Wright, I think Jeremiah is head and shoulders above the other two. Now, those questions, so, but with, you know, there's injury questions, like I just said, with Jeremiah. There's also injury questions with Tate, okay? <laughs> you get hurt week four. And then you're hurt again in spring practice. So when you're looking at three of our top guys that we're projecting at guard, two of them, there's big question marks. There's big question marks at two. So then you ask yourself, okay, who's the fourth guy? Who would be the other guy that maybe could slide in here? And if you've been listening, you know what I'm going to say. Connor Lou is a dog. Connor Lou is an absolute dog. There's no other way around it. One of the biggest recruiting wins that we had last year. I just don't know if people understand quite how good he is. And again, when it comes to when it comes to positions that I've, I've never played, you know, I played receiver in DB in high school, and I'm not trying to act like I played big D1 ball. That's what I. But I'm just saying I don't know anything. I can tell you a little bit of something about receiver. I know nothing about offensive line. But when I trust the people that can actually that, that break down the fundamentals and the technique and everything that goes into that. They all say Connor Lou is that dude, and it matches what I see, and it matches what we've heard throughout the spring. And I just think a guy that was an early enrollee in the spring already like came in and was immediately in the two deep, was like right there in that rotation is that sixth or seventh guy. I think you're looking – whether it be tur- – so let me ask you this. Do you think that Tate Johnson and Jeremiah Wright both stay healthy? So far, that doesn't look that way, right? Connor Lou is going to get some reps. Connor Lou is going to get some reps. And I think that he is more than capable. I think that if he was already capable and he was already starting to gain the trust of this staff in the spring, I think it's very reasonable that a whole summer of offseason workouts, he's going to get a little bit bigger. He'll obviously understand the playbook and his assignments a little bit more. Hopefully build a little bit more chemistry with those guys. And then when we put the fads back, excuse me, the pads back on come fall. I think he's just a dog, man. I think Connor's a dog. I think he's too good. I think he is the third best addition in this class, in this freshman class that we had coming in. I think Kay and Lee is number one, Keldra Fox number two, and Lou is right there at number three. I think all three of these guys will play in the NFL. I cannot tell you how high I am on Connor Lou. So even if we get into the point of a seat at the start of the season where it's Cam Stutz is starting opposite Jeremiah Wright or Tate Johnson opposite of Jeremiah Wright, or even if it's Cam Stutz and Tate Johnson, which I'm hearing, I believe uh, Zach Blackerby 
did an episode the other day on Locked on Auburn where he said that from what he's hearing from the players right now, he said that it appears that Cam and Tate are the starters at guard. That's as of right now as July, right? When the pads get put on, I just think some things are going to get moved around. I think when they see Jeremiah, I think uh, Lou with a whole summer of conditioning. So when the season starts, I wouldn't be surprised to see any combination of these four. I would actually be surprised if Lou started the season. But I just have questions about whether Jeremiah and Tate will both stay healthy. And I believe that Lou is that talented to where when one of those guys get hurt, he's going to be a guy that you're going to have to slide in. And I, I just think that that Cam, Cam Stutz, is just right there. Like right now, he might be more ready to play than Connor, right? So week one, it could very well be Jeremiah and then Connor. Or excuse me, Jeremiah and then Cam. But I just think that as the season goes, whether it be injury or just whatever, just Connor getting ready. I just think, similar to my point I made about Keldrick Falk the other night, will Keldrick Falk start the season? No. But I just think in time, I think that by the end of the season, your two starting guards are going to be Jeremiah Wright and Connor Lou. That's if everything just goes, no injuries, no nothing. I think that it's going to be Connor Lou and Jeremiah Wright starting as your guards. I just think that they're the most talented ones. Now, I know that after everything I just said, it sounds like I'm on the thought all that high on Cam Stutz. I think that your floor is now raised, right? So you have a guy in Cam Stutz that started eight games last year. Let's say he's not a starter. Let's say that it is Lou and it is right, or it is right and it is Tate Johnson to start the season. One of those guys get hurt. You've got a guy with experience. That's not a bad player. I'm not saying Cam Stutz is a bad player. I just think there are other guys that are more talented. But you've got a guy in Cam Stutz that's experienced at the moment. It's not going to be too big for. And that's that's one thing that's so important that we've been lacking on offensive line is depth. We're lacking depth at the offensive line. We have been for a long time. But when you go out and add guys – like Muskrat. We even talked about Muskrat. But that's a guy. Now, will he play tackle or guard? I've heard, you know, I've heard different things, but I know what he did at Tulsa. Um, where does he fit in, right? So there's depth. There's another guy that's played a lot of ball. So no matter what, no matter where it falls, any of these combinations, I like our depth at guard. I do. I think that no matter what happens, if there's an injury and then you say, okay, Let's let's say that it's Tate and let's say that it's Tate and Stutz that start the season. Let's say it stays where it, where it's being reported that it is right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You still feel good with a guy like, with, with a guy like Lou, a stud freshman sitting right there ready to come off the bench. You still feel good with a guy like Jeremiah Wright, who I've, I've spoke on enough 
over the past week on this podcast and laid out, you know, all his ability. You feel good with those two guys coming off the bench, right? It's like, okay, man, we've raised the floor. So, and with Jake Thornton, you saw what he did last year at Ole Miss. I just think that everything is in line for this offensive line this year to establish a line of scrimmage and set up Peyton Thorne to be in the best position possible. First down is going to be so freaking crucial for this offense this year. It's going to be every year, but just judging off of what we've had the last couple of years, our lack of success on first and second down is just a detriment to us getting any kind of drive going time after time. Whether it's just three yards that gets you to second and seven. That's so much better than second and nine. Those two yards make such a difference. Then you get three more yards, four more yards, and now you're in third and short versus being in third and seven. I just I like the way this offensive line matches up. I like the different combinations. I like the depth, man. I like it. Down to about like the eighth or ninth guy, I like where we're at. Versus last year, I didn't like three of them. I didn't didn't like three of the five guys we had starting, much less the guys coming off the bench, man. So – I do think that big improvement has been made, and whoever starts at guard, whoever that is, I think that expectations are up a little bit. Like I said, man, the the floor has been raised, and I think you're going to see some good offensive line play for the first time in a long time. But speaking specifically on the guard position, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I've got Jer- – I'm going to say Jeremiah Wright starts the season i just like i said i just don't see how we get out of the fall without him starting the season and i'm not sure if loose starts the season it will be st- it will be stutz i would have said tate but now apparently stutz is you know i was wrong and stutz is in the conversation whether it be uh stutz or tate johnson i believe they will start at the other guard position and then whether it be injury or just performance i think by the end of the year once Connor Lou gets plugged in i don't see i don't see him coming out i think when he gets in there he starts for us until he's ready to go pro. But either way, man, whether it is whatever combination of guys it is, I'm excited to see all of them. I don't want to say, and I don't want to get, get off this topic without saying this. Cam Stutz and everybody else on that offensive line obviously can improve with coaching. I think Jake Thornton is a good offensive line coach. I think that he can, and I think that Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery will put together a scheme to where everybody on this offense can be can be successful. So when I read off these PFF grades of 55.3 from Tate Johnson or 60.8 from Cam Stutz, that don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing. In the same way that Robbie completing 49% of the passes last year could easily, everyone's, we've said that a million times on this pod, Hugh Freeze can get that up to 55, 58, 60%. We have a competent coaching staff that can put people in the right position. So I don't want to I don't want to judge I'm not judging guys solely off of last year, right? We just have the information that we have right now, but I do like where it's headed and and I wouldn't be regardless of what combination we rolled out at offensive line, whoever started at guard, I wouldn't be hitting the panic button. I wouldn't have this huge level of concern about it the way I did week 1 last year, right? Like week 1 like out the gate you were just like, I don't know about this. I just don't know. And I think that you're in a position now where you don't have to worry about that. And I think they're going to see a much improved offensive line in 2023. So we'll see, man. It'll be fun to see uh, see Cam, though, at SEC Media Days. Like, shout out to you, Cam. Uh, 
happy for you, man. Like, I'm sure you're going to represent the university well and all that. Hope you, you know, hope he has a good time. And hey, I hope he proves me wrong, man. I hope he comes out and I hope he, he knocks some people on their ass this year and plays physical football and shows the world what he's all about. I'm pulling for you, baby. So coming up next, guys, we got this commitment coming Saturday, right? Commitment coming Saturday. We talked about it with our guy, Caleb Jones from Rivals on Wednesday's episode, Countdown to Kickoff, episode two. Go back and check that out if you haven't. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. Four-star cornerback Jalen Crawford. He's out of Parkview High School in Georgia. Man, we recruit that area well. We just talking about that stud K and Lee from Georgia. We recruit cornerbacks from Georgia well. My boy JD Rim from Valdosta. I like me some four-star cornerbacks from Georgia. This would be another blue chip. We're in uh, competition here is LSU in Florida. Kind of thought that Jalen would already be committed to Auburn. He pushed back his commitment date, which originally kind of caused you, you to worry when all the projections are saying he's coming to Auburn. And then they push the crystal ball back, or they, he pushes his date back, excuse me, and then you're looking at your crystal ball prediction and you're saying, uh-oh, what would that mean? Because normally that doesn't bode well for him. But on three, put in a prediction today at 91.3% for whatever that's worth, but a high percentage nonetheless that uh, they feel good about it. And our guys over at Rivals put it at 100% future cast projection that he will end up at Auburn. So, obviously, can't get any higher than 100, man. And, like, we talked to Caleb the other night. And, uh, by the way, Jalen is uh, 118th player nationally. He is the ninth-ranked overall cornerback. And did a little research. He is a cornerback, not a safety. He is a he is offensive back. Watched. He's got, like, a five-minute highlight tape on huddle. Uh, majority of the time from what I saw in the highlights, I'm not claiming to have seen him play. A whole, I, I hate, I hate when people say I've watched the film when they watched a five minute highlight video, you ain't watched no damn film. And even if you did watch the film, you still got to see the guy in person. I, I really don't like when people watch five minute highlight videos and try to give you a full on analysis. But what I will, what I will tell you is from what I saw on the highlights, cause I'm not going to put in place of him getting burnt in the highlights in the highlight reel. Right. But, Lined up in the nickel spot, lined up in that inside corner a whole lot. There is some of him lining up in the outside. And majority of the time, it looked like he was lining up in the zone, you know, six yards to ten yards off the receiver. There was a few where he was up in man. Um, I think the first five highlights on his huddle were him creating a turnover. Interceptions and forced fumbles. I think it was three picks and two forced fumbles, and that was all in two games. And as the tape goes, that can, as the highlight tape goes, that continues to be a theme. He creates turnovers. And when I talk about him playing that zone, when I talk about him playing off the receiver, his ball skills and his instincts are tremendous. There are so many plays of him breaking on the receiver and deflecting that ball away or jumping the route. There's a lot of him jumping that route, man, and taking that thing the other way. This kid is a playmaker. He's just one of them kids that seems to be around the ball, man. Like, High instincts, high motor, always deflecting a pass. He, uh, There was one where he blitzes the quarterback and then knocks the ball out of his hands and picks up the fumble from the nickel, for, you know, from the nickel corner spot. Like, dude, the dude knows how to get the football. He knows how to wreak havoc. And I'm not surprised that Ron Roberts sees that because we know that's what Ron Roberts wants to do. He wants to create turnovers. He wants to wreak havoc. Um, just – a very, very good player at 6'1", 185 pounds. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if he can kind of – because I, I see that size, and it's like, okay, if he grows a couple more inches, if he puts on a couple more pounds, could he play outside corner? 
I don't know. I got to see more than a five minute highlight tape, right? But I do like it. And it's look at the guys you're beating. LSU is recruiting at an extremely high level. And what Florida's done over the past month makes no sense. <laughs> like Florida has been recruiting so good, man. Oh, excuse me, how to get a drink there. Florida's been recruiting so good. So, and that was the worry. Like I said, when he pushed back his date, Florida made a, a, a heavy, heavy push. And you're just going, oh, man, they've been kind of getting the guys they want. But from everything that I've heard, like I said, I mentioned the on three prediction. I mentioned the rivals prediction. Speaking with Caleb the other night, checking around a couple other places. We're in a very good position here. We feel very good. You never know in recruiting. You never know in recruiting in 2023. We just saw that with Khalil House. I understand. It almost seems like the, it almost seems like it's a kid is trending somewhere, and then right before he goes to pick, another school swoops in with a with an NIL at the last moment. That kind of seems the way like it's been going lately. So I don't want to sit here on this Friday morning, uh, a little over 24 hours away from when Jalen announces, and act like we've just got it in the bag. But as of the recording of this, everything I've heard and everything that's public as well is that we sit in a very, very good position. And you should feel good when Zach Etheridge zeroes in on a guy that he wants. He usually gets him. He usually gets him. And this is an important this is an important piece for the future. All we talk everyone. It's easy to look at the DV room and go, we're straight because we haven't had to worry about that in a long time. Right. It's since Zach's been here, it's it's been the room. There's the argument about whether the DB room or the running back room is the best position group on the team. And but there's a lot of there's a lot of vets there. There's a lot of vets there, man. You know, DJ James has gone after this year. Nehemiah has gone after this year. What does it look like? Simp's gone after this year. That defensive backfield is going to look a lot different. I love the class that we signed last year. Love Colton Hood. Love him. Um, I love some of the guys we got right now. I think Amon Lane is a baller, bro. I think Amon Lane is an absolute stud. But the point I'm making is, is you, this room's going to need to be replenished. You can never have too many DBs in this past happy age of football. You're always going to need those guys. You're always going to need depth in the era of transfer portal. Some guys are going to leave. And we got guys back there, man. Y'all know how high I am on JD. We haven't even got to see Austin Osbury, a four-star that we flipped from LSU whenever the whole Ed Orgeron thing came to a head. Um, we've got some talented young guys back there, man, but it's going to be, it's going to be a young position next year. DB room will be young and we need to get all these guys in the boat that we can. You just cannot. I mean, every, I feel like every recruiting class now, you're going to have to recruit five to six defensive backs. That's just the nature of, cause you put so many on the field now, man, you really do. So you've got to have depth there. Um, but I do trust Zach Etheridge. I do trust Crime Dog. I trust the guys that we've got recruiting in the defensive backfield. And as far as Jalen goes, man, <clears throat> you got to recruit Georgia. You got to recruit Georgia. To go into Georgia, you can't let LSU and Florida come into Georgia and take a DB that you want. Can't happen. Can't happen. This would be our 11th addition to this class. Another blue chip. That would be nine. If you're using the rivals rankings, which we do here, if you're using that would be nine of 11 commitments are four stars or greater. And we spoke to Caleb Wednesday and you heard him say Bryce Kane's going to get that four star, too. He's getting that four star on other side services. He's going to get it from rivals soon.
I believe pretty much everywhere you look, if you just take the average star ranking of the class, Auburn's in the top three, no matter where you look. Right now, it's just about quantity. There's just not as many guys committed that would put our ranking up in that in that area. But this would be another stud. Um, just kind of continue to add a guy or two a week up until big cap. Maybe get you two or three out of big cat, right? Just kind of slowly build, get to that 15 or 16 number that we've been talking about before the season. And I think that before you've ever played a down, before you've ever put any proof of concept on the field with this current staff, I think 15 commitments with all these freaking blue chips, man, I think we can feel pretty good about where we sit. And I think we're going to win some ball games. I think we're going to win seven, eight ball games, guys. And then what? And then what? Then you really got people talking then you've really got people thinking and looking at you and saying, oh, so I'm excited about Jalen. I do believe he will be the next person to join this class. I think that he will land him on Saturday, and I will be super fired up for that. But let's not count our eggs before they hatch and all that kind of stuff. We'll see how it goes. I feel like we're in a good position, though. This will be a great addition to the class. And uh, before we get over here to some big baseball news, man, before we hop over to some big baseball news, it was a weird day today. We just got an influx of positive baseball news. Um, I did want to say, guys, go over to Home Field Apparel, man. 15% off if you type in all caps, up tempo. We got to sell a little bit more shirts than what we've been selling, y'all. We do. We got to push a little bit more. Help us out. Go on there, up tempo, all caps. They got the sickest Auburn gear there is, man. They really do. I've done order like three shirts. 1999 SEC Basketball Championship, uh, 1957 National Championship, and don't tell Pops, but his birthday's coming up, and he may have got. He may have something coming in too. So go to up to or go to home field apparel, up tempo, all caps. Help us out. Help yourself out. You're gonna look fly. Let the let your family around you look fly. Y'all know what to do, man. Baseball. Getting into baseball here. Last segment before I get out of here. Appreciate y'all rocking with me tonight, guys. I know it's kind of been a little bit of a different show, just me going by myself here. But we got some good news on the diamond. And respect to why we got that news. Joseph Gonzalez and Bobby Pierce did not get drafted. And they're not getting drafted. They shortly afterwards announced they're coming back to Auburn, baby. They're coming back to Auburn. Joseph Gonzalez, obviously, you know the story if you follow baseball. Joseph was expected to be a starter this year for Auburn. He was expected to be our ace. He pitched one weekend, the opening weekend versus Indiana through, I want to say it was 52, 55 pitches. I know it was in the 50s. And looked looked great. Pitched all summer for Team USA and looked fantastic. And obviously was great the year before. All the expectations coming into this year were that Joseph Gonzalez was going to be the guy. And shoulder soreness, shoulder soreness. If you followed it, it was just frustrating as all get out, man. Like three or four times throughout the season, they said he's throwing in the bullpen. It's all going well. He should be back this week. And it never came. And Joseph was, at the start of the season, I believe he was ranked as a top 100 prospect by Baseball America. I do believe. Don't quote me on the this, but I do know somebody had him as a top 100 prospect. Either way, he was going to get drafted, right? Pitches that one game. And then also, these are concerns from last year. Last year, he had the shoulder soreness as well. So I just feel like with all his talent, that's that's kind of where, that's that's the rub. That's what happened. I guarantee you these scouts looked at it and said, bro, you pitched one game opening week. I got to see more than that, buddy. I got to see more than that. 
with Joseph not getting drafted, it's all about injury concerns. That's it. So if he comes out next year, puts together a good season, a good a good solid season like we all know that he can, has that sinker ball working, doing everything that Joseph Gonzalez is able to do, because um, that's the thing about Joseph, man. Joseph can get you seven, eight innings and only throw 70, 80 pitches. He can. He can get deep. Joseph can walk somebody and throw that sinker and ground ball, we're out of there. It's just my personal preference, man. I love I love a contact pitcher. I like the strikeouts. I know they're exciting, but a guy like Tommy Vale strike out seven, eight guys, and he's out by the fifth inning because all the pitches that require. Joseph gives you the opportunity to save your bullpen. He really does. So this is such an unexpected – I didn't expect this. I had wrote Joseph Gonzalez off uh, that he had pitched his last game for Auburn first Indiana in the, first, in the opening series this year our last season didn't expect this at all this is a huge addition for butch thompson um this really makes our rotation look different and let's go over that so christian herberholtz last year had a good year man herberholtz came on strong let's say that zach crotchfield reaches his potential let's say that drew nelson reaches his potential man you could have a rotation that is really, really deadly. You really could. There's also the transfer coming in from um, from UAB. Got his name right here. Carson Myers. He had a 352 ERA last year. He had 70 strikeouts to 34 walks. So not, not numbers that set the world on fire, but very solid. And you have to trust Butch. We played UAB a couple times. If he saw, if he saw Carson pitch and said, that's a guy that I want in my rotation, I trust Butch Thompson. I do not question Butch. I do not. So all those guys I just mentioned, let's say that Drew and Zach reach their potential. Let's say Herbert Holtz continues on the progression that he made last year. Let's say you get a healthy Gonzo back. And then you have my guy Carson Myers from UAB coming in here. Man, you've got some options. You've got some options right there. That's a nice, I like where you're sitting with that being your pitching rotation. I really do. And obviously Joe being the ace. So Joseph, pulling for you, my dude, like, it should be a good year. If we can get that shoulder right, um, Joe's set up for a big year, and I hope he has that big year, and then the scouts are able to look at it and say, okay. And I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a minute about my dog, Bobby Pierce, bro. What y'all watching? What are y'all watching? The dude batted 340. He's got a cannon. You've seen people try to run on Bobby? What more does Bobby have to show you? The Duke can hit for average. He hit 340. The year before, he hit 284. Obviously, a big improvement. And no one can run on him. Is there a better arm in the SEC in the outfield than Bobby Pierce? No. No, there is not. So I don't really know why Bobby gets drafted. I did some digging around. Blake made a good point. And hey, man, the guys had some serious knee injuries a couple of times. Um, so again, maybe a. Maybe a Joseph Gonzalez, not exactly the same thing, but maybe the scouts are saying, I need to see more than one year. I need to see you stay healthy a little bit longer. Um, but I think Bobby's primed to do that. Look what look at the year he just had. I was I was shocked that Bobby didn't get drafted. I'm just gonna be honest. It didn't make any sense to me. I don't know exactly. There's no way that some of these outfielders I got drafted are better than that dude. They're just not. So it has to be about these injury questions, injuries that he's had in the past. So for Joseph and for Bobby, come in next year, 
tear the world up, man. Light it on fire and show everybody that you can stay healthy and show them the kind of baseball players that you really are. And let's talk about talking about Bobby. Um, I misspelled his name there. I put Booby. If you're listening on the podcast on Spotify or if you're listening to the audio, I misspelled Bobby Pierce and put Booby Pierce. But talking about Booby Pierce in the outfield, um, Chris Stanfield's going to slide over to center with Cason Howell, obviously graduating. We love you, Cason. Appreciate you. Uh, he's going to slide over there. And we had a transfer from Jacksonville State coming in as well. Got his name wrote down here. Uh, Mason Mason Manners. Mason is a lefty. He is a 350 career hitter. And last year he batted 341, so he, he kind of stays in that area, right? Um, good player, man. Good player from Jacksonville State. Again, we played Jacksonville State a couple times, but saw him and said, hey, man, I need you. I need you. So our starting outfield next year projects as Bobby, Chris Stanfield, and Mason here. All guys that can bat over 300, all guys that are athletic. Our outfield is going to be deadly next year, deadly in the field and deadly at the plate. I felt like this past season we have one of the best outfields in the SEC. Going to be the same thing. You're going to have a, a Chris Stanfield with a year under his belt, ready to roll, because he was he was slow out the game, if you remember. SEC play started, and it took Chris a little bit. It was found it. He found it. Boy, did he find it. He took somebody's spot. He took Dustin Kirby's spot. He found it. But now with a whole year under his belt, a whole nother offseason to get right, get ready, know where he's going to be in that center field position this year, man, big year from the Tallahassee native Chris Stanfield coming. So you've got Bobby, Chris, and newcomer Mason from Jacksonville State. Deadly outfield, deadly, deadly outfield. And another thing, another uh, another announcement today coming for the baseball team. Get this in here, and then we'll get out of here, guys. Uh, another guy from Jacksonville State. Like I said, man, uh, we see these guys, and he wants to uh, he wants to add them. Hernandez. What is his job? I'm gonna I'm gonna botch this kid's name, but he is from Jacksonville State, an infielder. He played second base last year. Javon, I believe it is Javon, Javon Hernandez, batted 397 last year for Jacksonville State. 397, seven home runs, 49 RBIs, but a slugging percentage of 567. Big addition. Big addition. We've got some questions in the outfield. We're losing an experienced guy like Cole Foster. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see here what my guy Hernandez does. He's going to play. He's going to play. Does he slide over to shortstop? What does Caden Green do? Does Caden Green slide over to short? Which one of them is going to play second? Which one of them is going to play short? Um, we've got some young guys in that infield that we haven't really got to see go yet. Some young, talented guys, like a, a guy like Gavin Miller. Um, what is what is Gavin going to do? Highly talented freshman, really didn't get to play a whole lot last year just because, like I said, Co uh, you had Bryson Ware at third. You had Cole over there is short and second. You just you had some experienced guys, man. So there's a lot of young guys. It's gonna be really interesting to see how that infield all plays out. Third, short, and second. It'll be very fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch in a fall ball. It'll be fun to watch uh to see kind of see how that all goes, man, because you just you just don't know right now. Um, but we what we trust Butch and we're gonna be okay. And it was a good day. You find out that you got Gonzo back. 
you found out that you're getting Bobby freaking Pierce back. Just didn't see either one of those. Like I wrote both of those guys out before it was gone. And then now you find out that you're getting this big time transfer and Hernandez again, 397, man. Started it like started almost every game last year for Jacksonville State at second base. When you add guys from UAB, when you add multiple guys from Jacksonville State, it's clearly Butch Thompson watching them play and saying, these are the guys I want. And before we get out of here, Blake wanted me to read off what he believes will be his projected starting lineup. This is his projected starting lineup for next year. And I don't really see this. I don't I don't see any problems with this. Uh, I agree with most everything on here. He's got Chris Danfield at leading off at center field. Ike Iris at catcher. That'll be interesting, right? But we know he's a catcher and Nate's finally, you know, Nate's gone. So we're going to miss you, Nate. Nate, by the way, signed a free agent deal. So we're pulling for you, buddy. Um, Ike at catcher, about in the two hole. He's got Bobby at right field in the third. Our boy Cooper McMurray at cleanup at four. Christian Hall, he is a first baseman slash DH that we signed from UAB. He's got him batting fifth. Mason Manners, left field sixth. Cooper Weiss, a, another transfer from Miami of Ohio. Very excited about Cooper. I was talking about the infield, and I completely let Cooper out. I completely left Cooper out. So that, man, that infield battle is going to be something next year. Ooh. Okay, yeah, that is going to be interesting. So Cooper at seventh, then he's got Gavin Miller at third, batting in the eight hole, and Caden Green at second and the nine. It'll be interesting to see, man. That's what, that's how Blake has it as of now. But um, we're a long way from baseball season, man, but can't wait. Y'all know that we, we hit the baseball hard here on Up Tempo. So wanted to get that in there. Bobby, Gonzo, super fired up to have you guys back, man. And uh, as, as baseball season comes around, we know that's way down the line. You know, man, we're going to. Our plans for baseball, we're going to take over. No one's going to cover Auburn baseball the way that we're going to cover, at least from the podcast realm coming up this spring. So really excited about that, man. Uh, thank you all. Thank you all for staying tuned with me tonight. I know it wasn't the, the cleanest episode or the best. I kind of threw this together last minute. Me and Blake had a whole nother, whole nother thing planned. I just kind of threw some topics together to try to get something out for you guys. Uh, old Levi came a couple weeks early, so – we weren't really expecting that. Just kind of had to throw this one together last minute. Appreciate y'all. On your way out, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. If you're on Spotify, Apple, whatever it is, man, leave a review. Homefieldapparel.com. Uptempo, all caps. Love you guys. I appreciate you. Man, listen, we're getting closer and closer and closer to SEC football. September 3rd will be here before you know it. It really will. And I cannot wait. Another big time guest lined up for countdown to kickoff episode number three next week. We've got some other big guests down the line that we're really with some big time guys that we're really hoping to, uh, that we can get to pan out here. So a lot of good stuff coming man. Y'all already know. Thank you so much for the growth. Thank you so much for getting us over 500. The goal is 1000 before kickoff. We want 1000 subs before kickoff. Our last seven videos are averaging right at a thousand views. And we've got like 505 subs as of this recording. So, and I we can watch it, guys. We've got analytics. We can go back and watch it and see that there are people watching multiple times that aren't subscribing. So help us out, man. Just hit that button. You know we're coming with this fire Auburn content all the way up until kickoff. And then, then from there, it's just we're going to really crank it up. So love you, Auburn family. Appreciate you guys for rocking with us. Help us out. Do everything that we talk about. War Damn Eagle, I hope that your weekend is blessed. And we will see you guys back Monday at 10 a.m. War Eagle.